Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. We're down here on Bondi Beach once again for another Joyful Walker podcast on the topic of today, non-violence. Well, is there such a thing? Hmm. Well, if you ask your body, if you go down into your body and you say, hey body, is there such a thing as non-violence? Well, it will answer you, uh, as long as I enjoy it, yes. So it will define a non-violent state as the state of pleasure. Ah, nice answer. So it will therefore perceive pain as being turbulence or violent. And so to the physical body, if asked a question, its response is spontaneous. Fuck no. There is no place of non-violence. There's a place called pleasure. Uh, If you stick a needle in me, that's violent. Uh, To hell. Uh, If you break my foot, my leg, my neck, that's violent. It's not non-violence. It's not pleasure. Therefore, the answer to the question, is there such a thing as non-violence, if answered by a human body, if it had a, a voice other than uh, nature's Bible, which is its idiosyncrasies, sickness and diseases, then it would categorically say, give me a break. Now we ask our ego, which is the total culmination of all the beliefs, thoughts, expectations, knowledge, wisdom, lack of wisdom we have, we ask ego, is there such a place as non-violence? It will say, Absolutely. Absolutely, categorically, yes, as long as I'm right. So if I'm wrong, I will feel the penetration of violence because I feel it's a war within me. Now, I've taken somebody's criticism or I've taken what somebody said and I've made it very personal because my ego loves, just loves, it thrives, it delights in being right so when it's wrong the person who made it wrong becomes wrong the person who made it wrong my ego wrong becomes uh, well you know at the end of the day not a friend we don't like them on the internet we don't like them in our life we say how dare you make me wrong that's a challenge that's very violent So to the ego, if you ask it that question, there is no such place in the world as non-violent because unless it's a place where it feels totally right. So whether that's in a meditation or with a glass of wine or with uh, somebody who gives it infinitely dictatable confidence and competence and compliments the ego can find a place that it calls non-violent which is as long as it's right but in order to be for the body to be in pleasure and for order for the mind to be right <coughs> it has a fight on its hand doesn't it because there is lots of evidence to the contrary that the body's in pain, uh, the body's suffering. So it, it does, it can, 
uh, feel the opposite and therefore it can determine that there is a fight on its hand in order to stay in non-violence. Hmm. So we get left with this really interesting conversation, don't we? What is non-violence and is it, does it have a place in our lives? And the answer is yes and no. Physically, it's a battle, isn't it? Uh, who, who occupies that bus space? Uh, I remember a bunch of, <laughs> it's a great story, I remember a bunch of uh, spiritual devotees with their heads shaved, uh, wearing orange robes in Singapore airport as I headed off to India for a one-week trip. And on my flight to Bangalore, they asked, would anybody be prepared to give up their seat? We've overbooked the flight. And all the spiritual people put their hand up and said, oh, be at peace, we'd love to give up our seat. A week later, I came back through the same airport and I walked past a waiting lounge and <laughs> there were the same people still sitting there. So... Sometimes this m m motto of peace or passivity can lead to incredible abuse at the hands of an aggressor, such as an airline looking for the weakest link in the chain to give up their seat. The Dalai Lama uh, often said the greatest spiritual trick you'll ever learn is how to say no and not feel bad about it. And no to, no to saying yes, no to saying no, saying no to what somebody else wants, saying no to, it's, it's, it's kind of like his sort of easy digestible uh, concept of non-violence. But yet we would say saying no is quite violent because it feels like we're pushing back or fighting. But the concept of saying no is quite spiritual. Because, not because we want to be right, not because we're seeking pleasure over pain, but because we have a vision. We have a notion in our mind, in our heart, of what we want. And that notion <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> Just watching a guy trying to learn how to be on a ocean ski and he keeps falling in and it's bloody hilarious because anyone who raced ocean skis started somewhere. Where this guy's at is where we all started, which is falling in over and over and over again. <laughs> so funny. So we end up with a notion in our mind of where we're going. It's not what we want. It's not what we choose. In a sense, it's not what we choose. It's where we're going. And the question's going to be, is doing what somebody else wants is going to get you where you're going. 
the answer to that question comes up as a no in an instance, then it's not a violent act to say no if going where they're telling you to go will take you away from where you're drawn, your vision, your spirit, your heart, your purpose. If saying yes to them takes you off track, yes becomes a violent act. So yes is not an act of non-violence. Yes is actually, if it takes you away from where you're destined to be and where you've chosen to go, yes is an act of severe violence against the self. It becomes really, really interesting, I think, this notion of violence and non-violence. Sometimes we distill it down to the, the idea of action or reaction. Are you acting toward your dream, your vision? Are you acting towards that? Competitively, environmentally, mentally, are you acting toward your vision? Or are you reacting to something that's going on around you in regard to your vision? And I think this last step, so the body will say, there's no such place as non-violence unless it's pleasure. The mind will say, there's no such place as non-violence unless I'm right. But the spirit, the human heart, the thing that drives you, the thing that's hungry, the thing that wants you to go places and achieve things, that thing, it will say there is a place of non-violence. As long as you're acting in the direction of your nominated and stated goal, vision dream, it is not violent. Now, of course, the body will roar up and go, hang on, if I'm acting towards my stated goal, vision, dream, and it's to go somewhere, and someone's in the way, do I just mow them down, elbow them in the head, kick them in the guts? What do I do? And so the spirit is, by saying, I'm got every act you take in the direction of your vision, dream, uh, is non-violent. It actually gives permission to the lower levels of our body, our, our, our life, our uh, animal nature. It gives permission to them to go seeking pleasure, uh, avoiding pain, being right, it gives permission to them. So self-mastery is the dominance of ourselves, of spirit, over those lower centers. So when we say, I will follow my spirit, I will follow, I will follow a non-violent path, I, I know my vision, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm building here. It is not giving permission to the lower centers, the, the animal nature of the body or the ego uh, nature of the mind to do whatever they want it's not you know all, all the gloves are off it's not anything goes it's the opposite so one in order to to uh, be authentic in following your vision your spirit one has to be able to say I have gained control over my body which means I no longer seek pleasure, avoid pain. I no longer am tricked by that notion. And that's mastery of the body. The second part of it is it says, 
I've gained mastery over my ego. I no longer want to be right or wrong. Neither. And a lot of the back on track, a lot of the work we do in inner wealth is about mind, body, mastery. And the reason for it is with that, you get to follow your dream. You get to follow your spirit, which is what you're hungry for. We're all hungry for that. Remember, nothing of the senses satisfies the soul. So everything sensory, mind, body, dissatisfies the soul, in a sense. And the soul is seeking vision. Now, what is my vision? What is the thing? Well, if you can't label that, if you, if you can't see it in your mind's eye, and you haven't been able to do the manifestation process, which is to, to take a vision and break it down into its component parts of its 13 steps of manifesting a vision, you haven't been able to do that yet. You may be just left with the with the resolution that you will achieve a goal. And to achieve a goal, which is a mini vision or a micro vision, one has to go through the process of mastering the body, which says, look, yeah, I know you want pleasure. I know you want another drink. I know you want another apple tart. I know you want another yoga class. I know you want to meditate. I know you want to shag. I know. But... There's two sides to that, and therefore, uh, does it support my vision? No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Uh, which means leads me to the ego, right and wrong. And does it support my vision? Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. And before I go and say, ah, yes, it does, I need to say, well, it can't support my vision without challenging my vision. So I need to really own the two sides of that. And that's mind mastery. And finally, I'll get to whether I do it or not. Now, that sounds like a clumsy, long, laborious process, but it's not. It takes about 10 seconds to, to anything that's tempting. And that's the definition of non-violence. It's tempting to react, to run away or run toward. It's tempting to miss somebody. It's tempting to criticize somebody. It's tempting, tempting. But enacting any of those temptations without mastery of the mind and body leaves you sabotaging your own vision and that is what you will eventually come to coaching to prevent so when you come to coaching to prevent sabotaging your own vision two steps precede it one body mastery which means you tell your body what you want and mind mastery you tell your mind what you want you are not your mind you are the ceo of your mind to tell with your mind what you want you need to know what you want which is your vision which is your spirit. This is a really interesting thing. In, uh, in um, India, in the Mahabharata, they talk at great length about this sort of battle within, the battle between mind, body, and spirit. And they talk about this over and over again. They, they use um, uh, examples, stories, uh, whatever they call it, and it uses them to display it. They, they talk about the fight between two brothers. Uh, one of them has to die in the fight. And the, both of them aspire to non-violence. And the, uh, therefore, one brother has to kill the other brother in an act of non-violence. Because the end result of killing one of the brothers is if, if, the, if the bad brother succeeds, then um, millions of people will die as a result. So, so by, by non-violently or passively letting the, non, the other brother live, millions of people die. If the other brother lives, the world will change shape, which is not what the, the, the bad brother wants. So 
it's a fascinating argument in the Mahabharata about the two brothers, which is really just an internal fight within ourselves. What am I going to do? My ego. They also talk about the horse and cart, which means there's a driver on a cart, uh, on a four-wheel cart, driven by um, horses. And they say, the horses are your body, the cart is your mind, and you are the driver, the spirit, your soul, your vision. But if the driver just throws the reins down and says to the horses, do whatever you want, the horses will run to water or home. As typical my experience, and I'm a very, very, very bad horse rider, and I learnt that the hard way, falling off three or four times and being galloped all the way back home after on a on a on a horse ride without control. Um, I, if you give the horse the reins and it learns that it's got control, it will turn for home because back home there's food and there's shelter and there's people that care about it, not the person sitting on its back. If you give the cart, the, the, if you take the horses and let the cart do whatever, it'll roll downhill. It just wants to be right. And the bigger the hill, the faster it'll go, which I see a lot of people doing. So the, the mind is the cart, the body is the horses, and the spirit or the vision is the driver of the cart. So nonviolence is following your vision. But it's not... Uh, anything goes for the body and mind. They are, through the laws of nature that you've learnt from me, they are controlled, dominated, mastered. And mastering your body is not easy. Uh, we do it in Zen by sitting still for 13 hours a day for 13 months. And I've done it. Sitting still, 13 hours a day, 13 months. And your body wants to shit, it wants to pee, it wants to itch, it wants to scratch, it wants to fart, it wants to get up and go for a walk, it wants to uh, eat an apple, it, it, and you don't have food, you don't have any, you sit. And eventually, after some period of time, you eventually grow used to the idea that the body is going to need stuff, but if you don't give it to it, it, it it's still uh, okay. And if you don't feed it what it wants, uh, although it might bitterly complain, eventually it'll just get used to being bitterly hungry and then you get used to that and that pain becomes a pleasure. So the idea of, in the Zen is mastery of the body. The, the second part of uh, uh, mind control is the universal laws of nature, trying to understand the order in the chaos. That puts the mind, the ego, completely at rest. Remember the ego is only there to protect you and those you love. So the ego operates to fight flight or it, the ego operates into a state of activity uh, reaction when it thinks it's uh, being threatened. So if you have the laws of nature and you know that there's order in the chaos and you find order in the chaos, the body, the mind, the ego, can go on holidays and just chill and enjoy life. Just is what it is and enjoys it because it knows the spirit is in charge. The spirit is the, the driver of the horse and cart. And that driver doesn't have to be angry or violent or passive to drive the car. It just has to know where it's going, make sure it doesn't uh, purposefully or consciously inflict pain on other people, but not be uh, rattled by the fact that other people won't enjoy the trip because there's order in the chaos. There's pleasure and pain, support and challenge in every step. It's how you build a big business, it's how you build a big family, it's how you build a relationship, it's how you build a life. Now, there is a body life where 
we aspire to have a big house and a big car and a big and we say this is my body my body's getting bigger um, uh, my cock's getting larger by the size of the car or the mortgage I have or my children or my family's getting bigger by the number of dollars I have in the bank or the number of whatever we can physicalize life and yet it may look on the surface like that person who's physicalized lived their pleasure versus pain paradigm but I promise you this, I promise you this, I promise you, when you look at a person who looks like they're having more pleasure than pain, it's your eyes that need to be tested, not them. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.